guys. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. I think my voice cracked. You went through a third puberty? What was the second one? I don't one? know. Supposedly, as a woman, you go through a second puberty when you're in your, like, mid-20s. It says my third puberty menopause. Men- <laughs> Did I say that like that? Menopause? I don't know. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, not for you. I'm going to be, like, crazy and, like, That's mood swingy and crying all the time. Which is not <laughs> much say, is different. That, is that different than today? <laughs> this podcast is over. <laughs> Roasted. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Anyways, hey guys, you're listening to Drunk and Uncultured. We are a drinking problem masquerading as a pop culture podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm Stephanie. And that's all going to stay in and be the cold open at this point. That's fine. I'm going to sit here and drink my little side beer. Um, Well, it's the first episode of the month, which is weird because it's like, it's one of those like months where... The first day of the month starts, like, right after a Monday. Yeah. Or on a Monday. Something like that. And Yesterday was the first day of the month. Well, you know what I mean. And then, like, the actual second... What are you saying? Second and fourth Mondays? Yeah, the actual second's, like, further (laughs) in, and it's like, oh, shit. Where are you going (laughs) I don't know. It just we, feels like... We, we just, just recorded an episode, and we already are back recording another episode. No, it just feels like, um... It's the episodes coming in late, but it, it's really not. And no. I don't know what I was getting at. I don't know. It's when the first of the month starts on a Wednesday or a Tuesday. And then it's like the middle of the month is like the second. Oh, that's, that's I get I where you're thinking. going. So it's kind of like actually two weeks in versus when it's like almost three weeks in. Exactly. The yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. All right. I, that like, was a team effort. That is not at all what I said, though. <laughs> okay. So it's the first episode of the month. I am going to talk about my five favorite albums that came out in the month of September. So the first one I'm going to highlight came out September 1st. It is the seventh. That's seventh studio album from one of our favorite bands, uh, Frankie and the Witch Fingers, who we are actually seeing the day after we record this. Uh, their new album is called Data Doom. They re- I feel like they've released a lot lately, but I think it's because Greenway remastered Brain Telephone mm-hmm. not too long ago. So I think that's why they. I feel like they've been dropping a lot. But their last actual album came out in 2020. Before this. Yeah, no, I'm just trying to think, because we really didn't start listening to them until 2021, I think. Yeah. So we haven't had, like, a new album since... We became like it super super fans. Yeah, Greenway homies. <laughs> I was gonna like try and make up a name like based off of like Witch Fingers, but I have nothing. I I got nothing. Yeah. Um. So I absolutely love this album. I gave it a perfect ten. I think they've done um a really good job within the last probably two three albums of theirs of kind of finding their own psychedelic punk rock sound compared to. Some of their early stuff feels a little, and I don't say this in a bad way because I actually love their early stuff. It feels very reminiscent of other artists and you can feel their influence on other artists on their music. Mm -hmm. But now they feel like a very well-evolved, their own They found their sound. sound. Yeah. Um, And they found like the pocket to live in of like where in the niche alternative acid punk community they want to live in. 
And I feel like it's more garagey. I love it. Um, than like a lot of the other bands are. Um, so I think it's really fun because it's, it's very different. Like, like obviously the OCs are garagey, but there's also so much going on. But the Frankie's a little bit more like pared down mm-hmm. version of that. Um, where it's just like all riffs, all moshes. <laughs> A lot of moshes. Uh, a lot of high up guitar. <laughs> Playing guitar at Playing the chest Playing guitar level. against your chest. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I gave that album a perfect 10. I absolutely loved it. Um, did you know that they're originally from Indiana? Frankie? Yeah. All, not all of them. Uh, at least what, Dylan they, and... What do they claim? Like LA? Uh, they're originally formed in Bloomington, Indiana, and they've been based in LA okay. for the last couple of years. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But they're originally from Indiana. They are Midwestern motherfuckers like me. Midwest fucks. All right. So the next one is um, also came out 9-1. This is actually really exciting that this band released an album. We are going to talk about Everything is Alive by Slow Dive. I listened to that one today. It's such a good album. It gives me, like, so I was listening to it and I was like, I think I was like cutting up vegetables for dinner. And it was, like, very chill music to listen to mm-hmm. while, like, doing stuff. It was kind of giving me, like, local natives a little bit, where it was just, like, a little bit electronic, a little bit indie, and then, like, just chill. Well, so, Slow Dive is, like, one of the original shoegaze bands. Okay. So, they have been making music since 1989. This is actually only their fifth studio album, but they've been making music together forever. Do I think they what, broke up for a while. Do you know what while. else happened in 1989? We didn't go to the moon. <laughs> I don't, I don't, know, I don't know where you're going to go with that. That's when Taylor Swift was born. Oh. Well, I guess that makes sense, doesn't it? She has an album named Yeah. Her. Yeah. I don't know. I never thought about it. <laughs> Just a very specific year to pick it out. Maybe she thought we went to the moon. Um, but Slow Dive broke up for quite a few years, like between like 96, 97, and then they got back together in 2017. So they went, actually they got back together in 2014 and then re-released an album in 2017. Um, but yeah, so this is an incredible shoegaze album. I was so excited when I saw they were making more music together after them, you know, being apart for so many years. Um, it absolutely rips. It's just so good. What'd you give it? I gave it 10. That's two tens. That's two tens. I know. I I know what the scores are. Because you actually looked at it this time? Yes. I had some time. Before your headphones died? Um, Yeah. All right. And then I just laid in bed watching TikToks until I had to go to bed. Um, the next one I'm going to talk about came out on September 8th. It is... That was my that stomach. Was stomach. <laughs> that was my stomach. Are you sure you don't some script? I literally <laughs> ate right before I came here. Um, this is the... Why are we such a mess? This is the third studio album from the Chicago band Deeper, and it's called Careful. I have talked about Deeper on this podcast before. I absolutely love this band. They are one of my favorite Chicago-based rock bands right now. I think they make absolutely amazing music. This album has... um, a little bit of a synthwave sound to it at some points, which is very different than Autopane. 
but I want to see this album live so bad. Yeah, I was going to say, it gives me a little bit more, like, new wavy. Mm-hmm. Um, in some of that, aspects, Because too, of the yeah. being used. And I really enjoyed them bringing that genre in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, thought I think it, was... it fits well with the style of, yeah. like, their style of rock music. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's. I think I would agree with you. It's going to be a fun album to see live. Yeah. And I love them, so I will see them anytime I can. And that is as far on her list as I got. I also gave this a 10. I know. But um, I have not listened to the other two. So the next one is, this is actually cool. So this one also came out on September 8th. It is the debut album from the psychedelic rock band Die Star. It's D-A-I-I-S-T-A-R. And the album is called Good Time. So I don't know how I found this band or anything about this, but they are another Austin, Texas uh, psych rock band. They've been touring a lot with like Black Angels and White Denim. Their album, Good Time, was actually produced by the main guy from Black Angels, Alex Moss. Okay. So they fit kind of in that. Isn't that the guy that was standing in front? No, yes. Was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, That was the guy that was in front of us at Riot Fest. Yeah. So this has a little bit of like um, an 80s kind of synthesizer vibe com- combining with the heavy guitar and the super deep bass of like a traditional like acid rock psych rock thing so it's a kind of an interesting blend of sounds and i sorry my nails are very long i keep i know it's like that's like (laughs) like nails on a chalkboard for me whenever you do that (laughs) i know (laughs) this is gonna be a painful episode (laughs) um i'm gonna send you home as soon as you're done like you have to leave now I also gave this up a perfect 10. I loved this. This is one of the coolest things I've come across this year. Fantastic. I want to, I want to see that I, live now. Oh, I thought you were like, that was, was also like, my, my stomach. No, that was also my stomach again. <laughs> okay, so the last one I'm going to talk about came out on 9-15. And you might not know this guy's name, but you would know his music. So Alan Palomo is... I definitely don't know that guy's name. He's the He's Neon Indian. Oh, yes, we talked about this last week. So he has dropped the Neon Indian name and is just doing stuff under his own name. And so his album is called World of Hassle. This album was really cool. It gives me a vibe of like 90s shopping mall. Like all of the songs have this very nostalgic, like retro lyric base where he's okay. like singing about the mall, like singing about celebrities in the 80s. Okay. And it's just a really fun dance album and it's also got um does he sing about Winona Ryder about her stealing from the shopping mall <laughs> I mean celebrities from the 80s and, and shopping, shopping malls. malls um he has a lot of really cool features on this album um Floor from La Imperatrice is on yes, this album yes. and so some of the album is in French and some of it's in Spanish and some of it's in English and okay. it's, it's really really interesting and I thought it was really fun so yeah Where'd I gave that, that a nine. Four tens and a nine I know September has been a good good month for music okay should we talk about the beer yes um, so we got, or I picked up Spider Bride from Old Irving Brewing. It's a pretty recent, yeah, they just released uh, this. release of theirs. So this was, um, I think it was like, doesn't, I saw have, it. doesn't have a canning. Oh, it's on the, um, 
The, the, the four. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was like 9.30. So like, or not 9.30. It was like a week ago, essentially. But this is a black IPA. Um, it's 6.9%. Hey. Nice. Um, and uses Citra Mosaic and Centennial hops. The can says um, Citra Mosaic Centennial Spider India Pale Ales. So they actually made this beer for one of the wives of the guys at the brewery, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Did you not read what this was? No, I just saw you just IPA. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's get it. So this beer was made to celebrate the wedding of their sales guy, Nate, and his wife, Tori. Oh. Hence it being called Spider Bride. Um, they say that the beer has roasted malt flavors, similar to a stouter porter, giving it that dark color, and it's flavorful with a smooth hop bitterness and hints of chocolate and coffee. Hashtag wedding beer. We'll see. Got a little bit on my finger and I taste it and it's very coffee. making a mess over there you got some on the table all right so this i think this beer is really interesting because i actually get a lot of rye notes in it which obviously is not discussed at all in the description mm -hmm. um i definitely get the chocolate and the coffee and i actually think this is fairly hop forward which yeah. i i don't think i typically <laughs> expect from this style you typically get more of that like roasted malt forwardness but yeah. this is more hoppy than I expected. I get a lot of rye. I get the roasted. I get the coffee. I get the malt. I also get like a caramel um, and a little bit of like bitterness that almost tastes like burnt. Mm -hmm. um, but like not in a bad way. Just like I, I think, think that bitterness is roasted. Is, yeah. Um, and definitely hop forward. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think I've had a black IPA that's this hop forward before. No, I don't think I have Usually, either. as you said, like they're more on the roasted, malty... With, like, the texture of an IPA mm -hmm. and the heaviness of an IPA. Um, but this has more, like, it's it's more of a stout on, like, this. Whenever I describe a black, a, like, an I, black IPA or a black lager, I say it's, like, a stout, but in this form. Mm -hmm. It's more of, like, on the stout side flavor-wise than I'm, like, sorry, it's more. No, it is sort of more on the stout side. But with still, like, no. It's probably more in the middle, I would say, than, like, the others mm -hmm. I've had, where, mm -hmm. like, you get both mm -hmm. flavors, and you don't usually get that as much in a black IPA. It's got, you know, a lot of hop, actually. Yeah. The more I drink this, the more hop I get, and the yeah. less of, like, the... The roasty. The roasty, notes. the rye, the caramel, yeah. Yeah. All right. Three words to describe this. Hoppy. Bitter. Caramel. I was going to say hoppy, roasty, and malty. Okay. Cool. So let's get into the episode. You want to introduce it, Steph? Because yeah. I did the beer for some reason. Uh, yeah, we did this backwards. I don't know what's going on with us today. <laughs> We are celebrating the, hold on, I got a math. 35. Right? No. 
you're celebrating the 50th anniversary. We're celebrating it a little early, but we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Exorcist franchise. 1973. Oh, shit. I didn't know it was 1973. You said 35. I don't know. One of the ones we were talking about was 35. So, <clears throat> I think I, I actually love um, the tagline they use for this film. So, uh, something almost beyond comprehension is happening to a girl on this street in this house. And a man has been sent for as a last resort. This man is the exorcist. Okay. That's the only tagline for the film. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the film is a supernatural horror about the demonic possession of a young girl and her mother's attempt to rescue her through an exorcism by two Catholic priests. Yep. Um, so the actual release date of this film was December 26th of 1973, but it's October, so we're going to talk about it now. Um, the film was directed by William Friedkin, who actually passed away in August of 2023. Um, he had previously directed the Gene Hackman film The French Connection in 71 and Good Times with Sonny and Cher in 1965. Mm -hmm. So uh, he was not a new film director at the time. Um, the Exorcist is based on the 1971 horror novel written by William Peter Blatney. I think is how you say his last name, which is inspired by the 1949 case of a supposed demonic possession of a 14-year-old boy in Maryland. Mm -hmm. um, Blatty had heard about this while studying at Georgetown in 1950. He also wrote the screenplay for the film and was the main producer on the film. Apparently, the actual book didn't really perform well until he went on some radio show and basically had a discussion about whether or not the devil was real, and then people were super interested in his book. Okay. Um, the Exorcist is widely considered by critics to be one of, if not the greatest horror film of all time. And it's widely accepted that William Fried can completely revolutionize the horror genre with this film. Okay. Um, it was nominated for 10 Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Director, but it did actually end up winning Best Screenplay and Best Sound. Linda Blair actually won a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress for this um, when it came out as well. This was a super interesting release because it only released in 24 theaters under what's called a four-wall distribution agreement. And that's where the studio basically rents the film to the theater for a flat fee. But the studio keeps all ticket sale profit and the theater keeps all concession sales, which is different than a standard <clears throat> release where everything is split. Um, this was actually the first time that a major studio had done this kind of release. And I actually found out that they released this in smaller cities at first because they wanted to do this unique agreement. And big cities like Chicago, New York, and L.A. were not, theaters were not down for that kind of agreement at that time. Okay. So this film was not released in major cities until after its initial release. Audiences waited for what has been said to be hours in freezing cold temperatures to see this film in the December that it was released. Um, and audiences also had a very adverse reaction to some of the scenes, whether it be fainting, vomiting, having a seizure to the film, <laughs> things like that. Um, the MPAA ratings board was actually accused of accommodating Warner Brothers Studios by giving it an R rating instead of an X rating, which people actually thought it should have had. 
Yeah, I was reading about that, and um, there's this writer that was basically saying that by giving it an R rating, they were saying that the movie is suitable for children. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you can go see an R-rated mm-hmm. movie with your parents. Mm-hmm. And police in D.C. were actually threatening to arrest anyone that sold tickets to any non-adults. Yeah. Because it's such a fucked up movie. Yeah. So not adjusting for inflation, The Exorcist was the highest grossing R-rated horror movie until It in 2017. Really? Again, not adjusted for inflation. So that do, oh, with, oh. do with that number what you will. Not adjusted. It made that much money? Yeah. Wow. It's one of the most successful horror movies of all time. Um, The film was added to the Library of Congress in 2010 for preservation, for being culturally and historically and aesthetically significant. Mm -hmm. That was my main overview, introduction. One thing I thought was really interesting as I was reading about this... A lot of um, big celebrities were offered roles in this film, and a lot of them turned it down. The main cast of this show are all relatively unknown for the time, and that's because a lot of people weren't comfortable with the subject matter or portraying themselves in the film in this way. Yeah, so I was reading that Violet Beauregard. The girl that played her in the original Willy Wonka. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was going to play, or was asked and offered the role of Reagan yeah. at first. And then Marlon Brando was offered the priest role as well. Which I think, feel like, I feel like changes... It changes, changes it so significantly. Much. I think that part of what made this movie so scary... Jack Nicholson was up for one of the roles. Um, Audrey Hepburn was reached out to to play Chris. Like I think part of what makes the movie so scary is that it's like unknown actors... If you had seen a familiar face, I think it would have taken you out of the movie. Mm-hmm, I agree. A little bit more than, like, by the, by not seeing people that you knew. It, it mm-hmm. felt more like a, not found footage, but it felt like more realistic. Scary. Yeah. yeah. Like, seeing Jack Nicholson in that would have been like, oh, that's Jack Nicholson. I mean, in 1973, it was yeah. a little different than the way we think of Jack Nicholson today. That's but fair. still, but like... like even even thinking of it that way, I didn't see that movie until the 2000s, like when I was... Yeah, I was probably... Like seventh, sixth, seventh grade. I don't grade. think I saw it until I was in high school. Oh, I watched it with my sister when she was in high school. So I watched like it in a film grade. studies class. Um, and like, I think that's what was scary to me, is like, I didn't know any of these actors. Also, I was a child, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there's a couple reasons. <laughs> Oh, um, I also, this was the other, like, uh, casting thing that I thought was interesting. Um, Janet Lee was asked if her daughter, Jamie Lee Curtis, would audition for Reagan, and Janet said no. Interesting. And then she ended up going to work on horror anyways. Yeah. I heard that, um, a lot of the production of this was really intensive on the cast. Mm-hmm. When they were filming in Iraq, like those those intro scenes, yep. it was like 130 degrees Fahrenheit during the day. So they really could only shoot at dawn or at dusk, which was really difficult for production. Okay. And I heard they actually, I mean, this is just one example of some of the extremes that they went through, but it took twice as long as planned for them to shoot all of this because there were so many issues that came up. Um. 
the exorcism scenes themselves, they were basically in a refrigeration system that in, was in, it cooled the set down to minus 20 degrees Fahrenheit. And it cost $50,000 at the time because the vision was that they wanted the set to be cold enough to be able to see the actor's breaths yeah. during the scene. So it was like deathly cold mm -hmm. in there when they were filming it. That kind of plays into the way that the director, um, William Friedkin, like, treated this, the, the cast. Um, like, one of the little, I guess, well, or I don't know if it's well-known or not, but one of the things that he did was, like, he was constantly terrorizing them to keep them on edge. So he would, like, fire guns to, like, make them jump and, like, spook them. And, then, like, he slapped um, the actor that played Father O'Malley. Okay. Um, across the face to catch footage of his, like, actual shocked reaction for the film. And then um, <clears throat> he would put, like, Ellen Berthenstein and Linda Blair in harnesses and, like, shake them violently to get, like, legitimate yeah. reactions of them terrified or, like, scared. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of, like, goes, you know, into, like, the <clears throat> intense method that he, he took in this. Yeah, they're actually saying that one of the most difficult shots in this sequence, especially with the exorcism, is when Reagan is, like, bouncing around on the bed. Mm -hmm. She, Linda Blair was only 80 pounds at the time. She yeah. had to wear a bodysuit under her nightgown with attached hooks on wire so that it would, like, pull her back and forth. Because yeah. she was so small. Yeah. They're actually saying, too, that between the refrigeration system and the various rigs and setups yeah. that they had they could only do five shots per day so a complete scene filmed in script order took over one month to film wow i didn't know that um so i think that comes it's interesting that they spent so much money and so much time and things like like mm -hmm. in some of the more um contraption-y aspects of it to get like real the practical footage. effects yeah, that's the word. Um, and I, I, I lost my point for a second. I'm sorry. Um, but, like, people got, like, legitimately injured in some of these things. Mm -hmm. So um, Reagan's mother, the actress that plays her, permanently injured her spine during one of the scenes where she was pulled hard, like, off of the bed mm -hmm. by a cable. Um, and this is the scene where she is thrown to the floor after Reagan snap slaps her. Mm -hmm. So when you're listening to her scream in the movie, that's like a legitimate scream because she like permanently injured her back. Yeah. This set was considered to be like cursed. Well, and Linda Blair also injured her back during one of the scenes where yeah. she was like in a contraption. Um. <clears throat> yeah. So on this, the, when, I, when I talk about the curse, four people linked to the film um, have died. Mm -hmm. um, the guy that plays the film director that... Um, <clears throat> the guy, because the main thing is like Reagan's mom is an actress. So the guy playing the film director is killed by Reagan. Mm -hmm. uh, he died um, from complications related to influenza right before the film's release. Mm -hmm. um, the, the lady that played um, 
Father Damien's mother died right before the release as well. I mean, she died of old age, but... Um, where did the other one go? Yeah, I saw this thing, or I saw online that... The, basically the entire set caught fire at some point. Yeah, there was and a big fire on set. everything burned except for Reagan's room. So that was like one of the re- reasons they thought it was cursed. It was cursed. is because like her room did not catch fire and it was like pristine. But everything else is burning. Oh, the other two people that died, Linda Blair had someone in her immediate family die. Um, and the actor that played Father Marin had an immediate family member die as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was the fire that delayed production. Um, it delayed the entire production pretty heavily because the fire actually broke out within the early days of filming. Mm-hmm. So that had to delay the whole thing. It led to a draining shooting period of over a year because of how far back production was. Mm-hmm. They had to like literally like torment everyone to get through all of yeah. everything. Um, and... I read that, like, so the cast and crew also thought that the set was cursed, mm-hmm. and a priest had to come in and bless it, like, every single day for them to, to work. Yeah. Um, I think another interesting thing that I read was, um, what is this? Sorry. Oh, I found, actually, the thing about Linda Blair getting injured. Um, want the footage that is in the film where she's like flailing around. Mm-hmm. Um, she developed scoliosis because of the poor rigging, and she actually fractured her lower spine during the shoot. And that's the particular scene that was used in the film. I'm not surprised because um, the rigging came loose. She received a an, like a bunch of death threats for mm-hmm. her role in this film by a lot of like religious people mm-hmm. for saying that she, and saying that she was like the voice and um helper of like Satan's helper and cuz religious to a, people are crazy. Well, to a point where Warner Brothers had to hire bodyguards to be with her 24/7 for 6 months. That's insane. And the death threats did not stop for years. <clears throat> um I also read there was a lot of like things that happened as far as the credits go. Mm-hmm. So the voice of the demon the person that did the voice of the demon wasn't credited initially. Okay. Nor was Linda Blair's stunt double. Um, okay. And, like, apparently the stunt double had to do, like, a lot. Like, to, uh, the vomiting scene, there was a vomit contraption that she was, like, strapped to. Oh. Where she couldn't close her mouth. Okay. And, like, the... It wasn't just, like, her spinning. It was, like, a, a thing, something, like, in her mouth that was, like, shooting out. Um, and she couldn't close her mouth and, like, ended up not being credited for it. Which Lovely. is wild. Um, one of the other things I think that's interesting, so I don't know if you are familiar with the scene because it didn't actually make the original cut of the film. Mm -hmm. It didn't come until they remastered the film almost 30 years later. Okay. The spider walk scene. Yeah. When she's on her back. When she's like upside down on her back. That's not in the original movie. Oh, I've never seen the other, the original then. I've only ever seen the remake. It's not a remake. Or sorry, the the remaster. remaster. I've only ever seen it with that scene. Or like she's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, she's going around. down the no that that's oh. that's in when she goes down yes, the yes, stairs. So the stunt woman that performed that actually did it with no harness, no anything, and didn't get credited because it never made the film. Yeah, um, it wasn't until it was restored in the two thousand director cut 
um, that they actually found the footage and there was actually a debate as to whether or not that footage ever existed, mm-hmm. if they ever shot it or not. And then it ended up coming out because after continuous, you know, William Friedkin being like, no, we never did this. We never did this. We never did this. Yeah. Um, it finally, the footage resurfaced and he was like, well, just kidding. We did. <laughs> and so when you see it in the 2000s director cut, um, the footage looks really weird because it was never mastered properly from the original mm-hmm. release. Um, so at one of the screenings in Rome, um, which was I think is interesting, the in general when it was de- debuted in theaters, people reported that there were like unexplained things that were happening in the theaters, which you know take that what it is. <laughs> Um, but in Rome, the first time it was shown on a big screen, it was sandwiched between two churches and there's like a thousand churches in Rome or something like that. Yeah. Um, apparently on the day of the premiere, there was a severe downpour and lightning storm where lightning hit, struck one of the crosses in the church next door and caused it to fall through the center of the theater. Jesus. Which is like terrifying. (laughs) But it was one of the things that convinced people that there was something ominous about the movie. Do you want to get into the franchise? Yeah, we can talk about the franchise. Um, I did not know until actually very recently how many, like, well, one's a prequel, but like, I did not realize the amount of like things that came afterwards. And it's, it's a little hard, right? Because like. There's so many Exorcist movies in yeah. general these days that it's hard to tell, like, what actually goes together. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's definitely been movies where I've seen, like, The Exorcist as a name. Yeah. Exor- that... The Exorcism. Right. The Exorcist of. Right, exactly. The Last Exorcist. Right. Yeah. And it makes it a little hard to figure out, like, what's actually part of the franchise, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, thanks to Wikipedia, we can actually figure out. Thanks, Internet. We know um, how to Google things. But there's three movies that were part of the original mm-hmm. trilogy, and then two prequel films, and then they've obviously, like, they're rebooting it this year, which is um, one of the reasons we're doing this. It comes out just before this episode will air. Oh, really? Oh, this comes out this week. Damn. Yeah. It's yeah. a Blumhouse production? Ooh, girl. I think it's, like, it says it serves as a sequel to the movie. Interesting. Okay. Starring Leslie Odom Jr. Love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there's The Exorcist, The Exorcist 2, The Heretic, and then The Exorcist 3, which are the original sequel, or the original series, trilogy, movies. And then we have The Exorcist The Beginning, and then Dominion, prequel to The Exorcist, where I think The Exorcist, the, the prequels kind of talk about the demon Pazuzu. Okay. Um, I think, and how it came to the world and became like started possessing people. Um, and then the new movie is called the exorcist believer. Did you know the director of the new exorcist is the same guy that did all three of the new Halloween films that are all terrible. And he's also the director of pineapple express. I mean, that's a great movie. So pineapple express is a great movie. The, uh, the, the most recent Halloweens are not great. I haven't watched them. They're on Peacock, which isn't saying much. Um, but I think it's interesting, like, it's part of, it's falling into that, like, reboot 
style mm-hmm. where like you, you brought up the Halloween movies and they were rebooted in the same way where they kind of ignored all of the sequels that came after it and just did like mm-hmm. a direct sequel mm-hmm. um, which is what this is doing and I think it'll be interesting to see like an actual direct sequel yeah um, to this movie well, um, I mean that's what basically this guy did with the Halloween films that's what I just said. yeah 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 oh sorry I was reading this yeah I realized you weren't listening <laughs> Listen, I was just waiting to talk on my own. I was pulling a you and just waiting for you to finish it's, talking. So I love that, I that it's talking. a pulling a me because you do it too. <laughs> Not as bad as you do. You've gotten better about it, but you used to be bad. Okay, so this is really crazy. I found a story continuity and like how you can view the various films within the franchise as a version of continuity. Okay. So the original format is The Exorcist and then The Exorcist 2, which I've actually heard is so bad that they made The Exorcist 3, which you could look at as a form of going Exorcist, Exorcist 3. Okay. Because Exorcist 2 was that, that bad. Hated. Um, and then you have the beginning, and then The Exorcist. And then you can go either 2 or 3. And then there's also uh, Dominion, then The Exorcist. So you can pick your adventure of which one is the actual prequel. Okay. And then the TV series is a direct sequel. I forgot sequel. there was a TV series. <laughs> that TV series was so good, by I the way. I forgot that there was a TV series. And then, so you can either view the TV series as the direct sequel, or you can view this new Blumhouse version as the direct sequel. Interesting. The TV, the TV series is so cool, because it takes place in Chicago, and they filmed it in Ukrainian Village. Oh, yes, you were waiting to talk about it. I've this. been waiting to tell this story, and I almost wasn't going to tell it. <laughs> okay, uh, you, brought it, you brought it to yourself. Yeah, so season one takes place in Chicago, and I was living in West Town at the time, specifically West Town, um, and I lived on the back side of a building, so we were like the rear unit, and they were filming, a, we were like close to the corner, and they were filming the exorcism scene in the house, like directly around the corner from us, so we were like diagonal from that house. And just woke up to them filming. Like screaming? To the screaming exorcism. And we... That's terrifying. So you're supposed to get a flyer and like notices when they're filming. The front units got the flyer. (laughs) We didn't get the flyer. So we didn't find out until like... was just like dying. Yeah, pretty much. Was it filming around like Halloween time? Um, no, it was the middle of the summer. (laughs) That's less scary. Yeah, I think it was the middle of the summer. There's something about the autumn that's like scary to me. Like when the sun starts getting darker. No, it was not fall at all. Oh. It may have even been winter. Mm -hmm. That's how long ago this was. And this, they, they were filming it and like, I had just moved to Chicago too. (laughs) They were filming in like 2015 because the show came out in 16. And so they were filming it. I think I had just moved in with Steve. So it was either that winter or that spring. So imagine that. But that show is really cool because you can like distinctly tell. And we've talked about this with like shows filmed in Chicago before. It's always mm-hmm. fun to be like, I know where that is. Yep. I know where that is. Yep. That's what we I definitely do. watch shows that are filmed in Chicago. Just, just to do that. that. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, that's a fun thing to do in this show. Um, it only lasted two seasons. Yeah, it was really good. Down. I was kind of bummed when they canceled it. Gina Davis is in it. Mm-hmm. I love Gina Davis. Love a legal of their own. Say everybody loves Gina Davis. She's a great actress. Yeah, she's Stuart Little's mom. Really? I haven't watched that movie in a long time. <laughs> she's Stuart Little's mom. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> I yeah, I haven't watched that movie in 
I haven't either. since it came out. You're welcome, though. Are you literally on her Wikipedia page right now? No. I'm on the TV show's Wikipedia oh. page. I just know that. I oh. don't know why. I know two things that she's in, A League of Their Own and Stuart Little. She's in The Fly. Under, oh. She was married to Jeff Goldblum. I think I've seen The Fly like once. That movie is hard to watch. It's Cronenberg. Of course it's hard to watch. Um, cool. So that's the TV show. Oh, did you find the storyline continuity on the Wikipedia? Yeah, I did. Where do you think I found it? <laughs> so they have plans for two Exorcist films. Um, there's two that are confirmed. I think there's a third potential depending on the success yes. of the first one. Yes. I was also looking, obviously, because this is viewed as like such like an impactful horror film. Mm-hmm. I was kind of looking at other things that other like possession films because you know I love a good possession film. Um, and I almost gave myself a fucking heart attack <laughs> looking at this list. Possession film. No, I'm looking at this list, and they have some of the most absurd screenshots from the movies of like the scariest oh. scenes. And I'm like scrolling I just this think list. The phrase "I love a good possession film" was funny. That's what no, I was but I almost at. scared the shit out of myself looking at this in the Girl, dark. You are sitting house. in an. My guest room. No, but I was looking at this list. I understand. At home. Oh, I thought you meant just now. No, 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 like, no, no, no. When I was when I found this list. Okay, that's reasonable. Like, let me show you this screen grab they used from fucking Sinister. I'm like scrolling, and I was like, oh god. <laughs> it's like that jump scare. Yes. Where the guys behind her? I mean, if I was home alone, I would be scared. But yes, I'm, I'm sitting. In, I'm sitting in an office. I was with home you. alone. It's not scary now, but it's kind of dark in my place because, you know, I never keep the lights on. Sarah, I feel like talking about possession films is interesting because there's obviously like a lot of movies that were inspired by The Exorcist in that way. (laughs) I can't help it. That's not my I really hope that's on the episode and I just like keep it in. (laughs) I don't, I don't know what's happening. It just got silent and then happens. Lindsay, I'm dying. I don't know what to tell you. Anyways. I'm going to try that again. So I think bringing up possession films is interesting because obviously there's a lot of movies inspired by The Exorcist. Yeah, I mean, if you look at when it was released, I would almost argue that most possession possession films in general have some level of tie to The Exorcist. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, there are, like, I was talking about earlier, just how many movies about exorcisms at this point. Um, And there, that wasn't, like, a topic that was touched until that movie. Right. So, like, you know, the exorcism of Emily Rose, which is a scary as fuck movie. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely, like, inspired by that. It's sort of a little bit different because it's, what, got witch ties, I think. Um, it's a level of supernatural. It's all the same thing. But it's it's kind of interesting that there's a lot more, like, this kind of broke the ground, paved way for more films of this type, yeah. considering, like, how difficult of a time there's they had. There's so many, yeah, I mean... To even get this movie, like, into theaters. Yeah, the whole... Well, I think that because it was had the major studio backing, that it, I think it probably right. was able to start some of those hurdles. But it was really the hurdles. first of its kind at right. the time. Oh, yeah. So... It's interesting to see, like, how many... And it's it's sort of, like, 
the idea of a possession or the exorcism. It's like the exorcist is, it's a scary thought, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that like people enjoy as like a scare because it's scary, but then it's also like, well, this could never happen. Right. Like you have to believe in these things for it to happen or like to believe that it could happen. Yeah. Um, so I think it's like supernatural possessions, I think are interesting in that way. And I think that's why people like them so much. Yeah. Cause it's a little bit more fantastical than like, I don't know, like a kidnapping movie or like a psychological thriller in yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. cases. Um, and I think the supernatural aspect of it is what's fun because it's got ties to all these like real world things mm-hmm. that you could research and find. Um, what is your favorite possession film? I have to look up possession films. Do you have one? I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to count The Evil Dead because I've already talked about how much I love that movie. Um, I mean, Jennifer's Body. Oh, yeah, that is a possession film. It's a slightly different form of possession, but um, she is possessed by a demon. Oh, damn. We still haven't done Jennifer's Body. No, so. we should do that at some point. That's a great movie. Um. I love Jennifer's Body. I think the scariest one I've seen is Insidious. That one scares me. I like still can't watch that. <laughs> no, that movie is scary as hell. Um, I really enjoy The Exorcism of Emily Rose as well. I actually don't know if I've seen that. I've seen The Last Exorcism. That one's really scary. I guess Jennifer's Body. That's a great movie. It's a great movie. Do we think the... Um... Reboot is gonna no. be any good. <laughs> I knew you were going with that immediately. <laughs> um, just based on track record of reboots like that, no. no. Um, but I mean, they did like a new Evil Dead, and that was good. I heard the new, not I, the one from like the 2010s, but like no, the, the new, 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 new one, one of her Evil Dead Rise. I think yeah. it was good. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I think it's on HBO though. Or Max or whatever the hell it's called. You never know. Could surprise us. Could be good. If I can watch it. Only time will tell. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch it. Maybe I'll I'll have it on the plane. (laughs) That would be terrifying. (laughs) I was like. (gasps) Wait. Okay. So this could stay in the episode, but this reminds me. So I was traveling with one of my interns at my last job. And him and I were sitting next to each other on the flight back from a work trip and we decided we were going to watch the remake of pet cemetery together (laughs) and the poor kid was scarred for life oh no we both had our headphones like hooked into the same thing and he was so scared (laughs) i felt so bad and then he had to go home by himself (laughs) i felt so bad he was so scared i mean that's on him i know that's on him for watching a horror movie on a flight I just watch movies that make me cry, and I'm crying on a flight. I've done that, too. I have watched a few horror movies on flights, though, and people do not like being around me. (laughs) It's also one of those things of, like, if they suddenly see your screen, they're like, oh, my God. (laughs) Do you um, remember your first experience? We talked about how, like, you were in high school in a film class. I guess you do remember watching The Exorcist. Mm -hmm. I was, I want to say my sister was, like, she was in high school. So I was at the minimum, I would have been in 
grade you start high school in? Ninth. I was. Yeah. So at minimum, I was in third grade. At maximum, I was in sixth grade. I think I was probably like. I don't think she was 18. I think she was probably like 16. Sure. So I would have been like 10 when I, I watched I think I it. was like 16, 15 um, when I first saw it. She like rented two horror movies for Halloween. And instead of like, I went trick-or-treating and then came back and she made me watch them with her. It was The Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby. Oh, God. <laughs> Just throw you right in. Um. Oh, I didn't go to sleep. I slept in her bed that night. And I like, when I say slept, I like laid in her bed. Every time I closed my eyes, I saw something. So I remember because um, of the super graphic nature, especially like the masturbation scene, mm-hmm. I had to get like parental consent because I was a student in school. My parents did consent to this for some reason. I don't think they knew she was going to make me watch it. No, but we had to get like a signed thing and that just said like, hey, this is like a, this is more graphic than some of the other. And, I had to watch fucking Reservoir Dogs where they cut a guy's ear off and they're like, this is chill. But this horror movie that was made, I mean, I was in high school, what? This would have been 2010, 2009 when this was going on. This movie that was made 35 years ago, that's a problem. That you need to get parental consent for. But this movie that was made three years ago, that's a super bloody Tarantino film, chill. With their feet. Yeah, it's a Tarantino they film. They didn't make you get permission for the feet? No. People weren't Venmoing each other for feet pics back then. That's a call back to the last episode. It's a full circle. Um, but I do remember, like, being terrified. And, like, I think I was scared for days. Also, this is just on my phone now. <laughs> okay, that is a scary scene. That's like a full-on jump scene. Oh, scare. I know. That scene is scary as fuck. I know. Insidious is scary. Insidious is so scary. I, watched I haven't it. watched the new one. I'm afraid. To. I watched... Oh, I guess we shouldn't talk about Insidious. And well, we'll talk about it for a second. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> it's wa- our podcast. I invited this guy over. And my sister... Like, I was at home alone by myself in, like, college. And we watched it like on my couch. It wasn't even a guy I was like dating. It was just like one of my friends. One of your friends, yeah. And I like full on ended up like, <laughs> like sitting on it, like curled up, because I was so fucking scared. I was like, like on him, like not watching the movie because it was so fucking scared. So Every scary. time there was a jump scare, I just screamed and like covered my. You pulled the Trevor. I did pull the Trevor. That movie was so scary, and he was also like. <laughs> I'm like sitting on him. He's like trying to get up to him so that he can sit on me and be comforted. It was like a full-on battle of who had to be the one that was comforting the other one because we were both so scared. It was, and like I still won't rewatch it to this day because I don't even remember if it's that scary. But the way I remember it is so scary. That's like the time I watched. Um, Grave Encounters after the time we did the movie group. And okay, the only thing scary about Grave Encounters was Trevor screaming every five seconds. There's a lot of jump scares at the end of that, though. And if you're not, like, expecting yeah, it, yeah. it's we were all scared. I didn't sleep after watching that. <laughs> I think I, I had to go home alone by myself. Yeah. But, um, like, when I've rewatched that, it's been fine. Actually, I think we watched that at my birthday party a couple years ago. Um... It was on Shutter, and it was just like play. It was one of like the Shutter movies yeah. that was on Shutter TV, and I just turned it on. People were like, "What the fuck are we watching?" Yeah, I haven't seen The Exorcist like since I was a child. 
I rewatched it not too long ago. I don't think Steve had seen it. I can't so I remember if it's it. as scary as it I thought it was. It's not that scary. Um, I mean, when you're a kid, everything's scary, but... That's true. When you're a kid, you're a little bitch. Um, Steve and I went through a phase where we were trying to watch, like... You guys were watching Law and Shudder, like... Uh, not, no, not even Shudder, but, um, like, the 100 greatest IMDb films of all time. We were trying to watch those. Okay. I don't know why, but we were. Um, and so he had never seen The Exorcist, so we watched it. Okay. We also watched a lot of Godzilla. I don't think I've ever seen Godzilla. It's weird. <laughs> it's as weird as you think it is. Uh, okay, well, on that note, do you have anything else you want to cover? No. Godzilla's weird. <laughs> Insidious is scary. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think that covers it. I think that covers it for the Exorcist episode. <laughs> Listen. Honestly, I feel like we're like this when we have a beer before the- <laughs> yeah I have, we also haven't seen each other in like a couple a days <laughs> like a week i didn't see you at all last week i didn't see so you last time i saw you the wedding no sunday well wedding weekend that's probably it i think that might not be true oh yeah because i was at run the jewels all of last yeah week. i didn't see you at all last week so huh wow maybe that's why <laughs> maybe that's why we're crazy <laughs> all right so with that, um, if you enjoyed the episode, please go on your favorite podcast streaming service and leave us a five-star rating and maybe a written review. Also, if you could suggest beers for us, we're running out of ideas. <laughs> also, if you want to tell us your story about watching Insidious for the first time, even though this is an Exorcist episode, feel free. Yeah, we'd love to hear it. Uh, listen through the song. You'll hear all of our socials. Listen through the spooky Halloween episode. Oh, that's song. right. <laughs> it's October. You're only getting one this this month, too. Maybe. You can do spooky music next one anyways. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so yeah, listen through the song. Hear our socials. Get in touch with us. Let's talk about being scared of movies together. <laughs> and with that, we will see you next time. All right, that was the episode. So we love hearing from you, um, and if you want to contact us, you can do so through our email address. It is drunkanduncultured at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at Drunk and Uncultured Podcast. Our Instagram is drunkanduncultured. And our Twitter is drunkuncultured. No and. And as always, I'm Lindsay, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at lindsaysoldout. And I'm Stephanie, and you can find me on Untapped, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr as underscore Stephen Color. And you can also follow my concert Instagram at Shitty Concert Blog. Stay drunk, guys. See you next time.